Imagine being on your computer, busy with work, on the brink of burnout, when you receive a message that tells you to relax and take the rest of the day off for the benefit of your mental health. This is the goal of Eurodip, a software company that uses algorithms to predict and prevent employee burnout. Hi, my name's Sam Breakgear and welcome to Brains Bite Back. The podcast looking at our brains on technology. In the same way that Netflix strives to understand each individual user and offers them options tailored for them, Eurodit wants to do the same to reduce employee burnout, understanding what they need to stay mentally healthy and well. To understand how this software works and how it was created, we are joined by Ricardo Michel Reyes, alongside Pablo Gil Torres, the CPO of Eurodit. In this episode, you will learn the difference in difficulty when identifying meaning between Germanic languages such as German, English and Dutch, and Romance languages such as Spanish, French and Italian. You will also learn about the origins of how they created their natural language processing algorithm and how their software advises companies when an employee is close to burnout. In addition to this, Pablo and Ricardo explain how they developed their own psychological theory named semantic analysis based on math and linguistics. And if you enjoy this topic, then some previous episodes of Brains Bite Back that you might enjoy are why data scientists and social scientists need each other, teaching emotional regulation through children's video games, and suicide prevention using predictive AI. And if you really like this episode, then don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Disclosure, this episode contains a client of an Espacio portfolio company. Would you be able to introduce yourselves, Ricardo, perhaps if you want to go first, and Pablo, if you want to follow, and mm-hmm. uh, just tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves and, uh, yeah, your background and what you do for the company, Eredit. Yeah, so Eredit was born about a year and three months ago, mm-hmm. last year. So I'm the chief technology officer of the company. And I'm in charge of developing all the neural networks that allow us to interpret user messages and measure burnout, engagement, and frictions among them. I have two other people in charge who are psychologists and who help us validate that whatever the neural networks do, they do it according to, or at least measuring against actual psychology models. So we developed our own psychology theory called semantic analysis, which is... I would say a branch of, or, or at least related to cognitive behavioral therapy, but it's a bit different because it's based on math and linguistics. So what, what we tried to achieve was to make psychology a natural science and not a social science because social sciences have the bad fame of being inexact and interpretative. So we kind of build up psychology from scratch uh, using set theory, which is a, a branch of math. And then from there, uh, developing logic and then linguistics and trying to measure language uh, against that and then correlate it to psychological traits. So I'm in charge of all the research and with the team of developing all the neural networks that we use in the software. Um, so I'm uh, Pablo Gil, and I'm the responsible for the for product, the, the CPO. So what I do is I, I help our team to figure out 
what is the best way to take that amazing technology that, that uh, Rick's team uh, builds and to give it a wrapper helps our, our customers uh, reach that value. So basically understand which features need to be placed on top in order to extract uh, the most value from that technology. Awesome. And Pablo, if you could go a little bit further, I, I know we've discussed like how um, Erdit works, but would you be able to explain like the main goal, like why this company uh, was set up and what it aims to achieve? Well, ma- mainly what it wants to do, is it wants to, to empower people to have better conversations with their colleagues in, in a way. Basically what we want to do is to get something as ethereal and as subjective as, the, as people's emotional states and be able to provide a more rigorous and up-to-date understanding of how people, what people are going through. So HR departments can use their, their people management skills and their, and their um, empathy to hone in, in the places where, where they are needed the most. We just want to, um, for companies and employees, to basically reach a level of uh, happiness or at least tranquility, and basically be, uh, help uh, people in their, uh, that are responsible for, for the well-being of the company to focus their, their, their efforts in the right places. Awesome. Yeah, I, I really wanted to have you folks on here because obviously 2020 has been a difficult year for many of us, and I can honestly say that it's it's forced us to adapt to a new way of working. And I think it's been quite stressful in that sense, especially since it's hard to have that uh, line drawn between your personal life and your work life. And the two have become very overlapped this year. And just generally not being able to go out, socialize, not being able to live our normal lives, it's stressful. So I'm really interested to see how this company can help now more than ever, I guess, when it comes to employee burnout. Ricardo, you went into a little bit there. Maybe if you want to expand on that, and like, how is employee burnout and friction between departments measured in real time? Yeah, so we started working with companies here in Spain on a completely different problem that was measuring skills, hard and soft skills that, that they had. Then we realized that companies also wanted to measure how their mental health was. The way they used to do it was using surveys. A lot of companies um have like massive service for maybe each six or 12 months some of them even every two years so that's a lot of time intervals a lot of companies have a very fast firing and hiring cycles so a lot of the times between two years like people don't even exist in the service because they have come and and go very very fast so we realized that there should be a real-time tracking software. The problem is that with service, that would be very hard um, because people don't like to solve service every week or every month. Uh, let's not say every day. So uh, we, we have to do something that had nothing to do with the employee being active. So Alejandro, my partner and CEO, found out that maybe the way was to measure the communication tools instead of service. So we developed on that. So he had an agreement with IBM and we started an MVP with Watson. Then we realized that Watson wasn't enough. So we started creating our own neural networks over the Myers-Briggs personality test, which is um, one of the main personality tests and and the most popular and easy to use. It it was made famous by a company called 16 Personalities. So a lot of people know it uh, and they say like, oh, I, I, I am INFP or I am 
ENFJ, or it's like a four-letter combination of 16 different personalities. So we train neural networks to measure against that. But then the, the Jung theory or the Myers-Briggs theory broke when it was done per day, because these are theories that are um, based on like a psychotherapist or, or someone measuring this over a long period of time and huge tests of like 50 or 70 words. So the correlation between very little text with these Meyer-Briggs traits uh, was very weak. So we knew we had to create like a whole new branch of psychology to be actual, to, to be able to, to measure uh, precisely real time. So we first tried like every hour, but every hour is too fast and, and people don't, don't change that much in an hour. So we decided to do it just daily. So right now we, we have a daily measure of people's emotions, personality. We, we can know the granularity across the day, but we realized that we need at least a day to be actually able to, to measure it. So we tried not to go far from, from what already exists so that it can be useful for people who already know personality theory and for managers that are already used to psychometric tests. So we can measure against that. We, we, we are able to give our results in existing theories, but we created a whole new branch of psychology to be able to interpret text and, and then translate that text into psychological traits. So that, that's what the semantic analysis is. It's just taking the text from tools like Microsoft Teams or Zoom, Slack, and, and then correlating that to burnout frictions. Uh, th these are traits that Pablo and, and, and his team chose because that's what we found out that, that people in companies wanted, like managers. But the, the theory is very open. Like we, we can measure against whatever psychological trait it can be measured by Big Five or DISC or Myers-Briggs or any other psychometric test. We just chose these ones because that's what the market demands. Okay. And maybe Pablo, maybe you can answer this or Ricardo, whoever feels most comfortable. But would you be able to give examples of what this like... Um algorithm or what this what would it infer from certain um sentences maybe you could give us an example of a sentence and then what it, how it would infer that uh sentence if that's possible okay so there are words in a sentence that have meaning and words that are just there to help the meaning come through in the sequence right so it depends on the language like english is very dependent on, on a lot of things that spanish is not dependent on so for example, in, in Spanish, you can say come, and, and that's enough to say you eat, right? Uh, and, and you should eat on, on eat now. So it conveys, just one word conveys a lot of, of meaning. So in, in the case of European languages, like Germanic languages, like, like English or Dutch or German are very different from Latin or Romance languages like Spanish, French, Italian in how they convey meaning. So we develop separate neural networks for English and for Spanish. We work in both languages to, to be able to sense the grammatical and syntactic, uh, like, like all the grammatical differences between the languages. So we, we first try to filter out which of the words are the ones that are conveying meaning. Because if you say, 
for, for example, when you are talking, all the uh, then, but uh, those are stop words. And, and the, those are words that we as humans use to let the other person know maybe that we're thinking or maybe that we're gonna say another thing, uh, but they don't convey meaning. And then you have negators, for example, like, like not or but, or that, that tell you that whatever you wanted to say, you have to like to invert it or cancel it, right? So uh, she's beautiful and she's not beautiful. It, like she and beautiful convey meaning, but then the not word kind of inverts the meaning of the thing. So we have to be able to detect that, right? Like to model the, the meaning of what you're trying to say. And then if you really mean it, or if it's sarcasm, or if it's like the inverse of what you're saying. Uh, so we have a lot of mini networks that then assemble into a huge network. That is the one that actually parses the meaning out of the sentence. Uh, and that gives you a mathematical function that kind of conveys what is like the fingerprint of the sentence you're trying to say. So, so we pretty much take your whole text, then classify all the words that there are in the sentence in do they have meaning on their own or not, or do they give more meaning or not to the, to the whole body of text. And, and then now we know that the words that actually have meaning, we create like a fingerprint that is the combination of all of them because some words don't, don't mean nothing by themselves. Like if you just say beautiful, uh, you don't have enough context to know what is the thing that is beautiful, right? But if you say the dog, those together tell you that there's one dog, but not where or why or anything. But we know that they actually convey meaning. So we, we group all the meaningful words and they then create like a whole fingerprint of the sentence that give us like the combination of all the meaning and then correlate that, that measurement with what we know of psychological traits. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a very complex natural language processing algorithm. We have one of the, of the highest scores in classification of text in Spanish. We have done a lot of work in Spanish that didn't exist because English has a lot more development of, of AI than, than Spanish. So in English, we kind of just amplified what already was done by Google and by Hugging Face, which is one of the leading natural language processing companies. But in Spanish, we pretty much created a lot of knowledge from scratch because there was nothing when, when we came into existence. So um, we have created a lot of technology. We were actually named one of the most innovative technology companies in Spain and in the European Union by the Ministry of Science of, of Spain. So we have been creating a whole lot of, of science, especially in math, linguistics, and computer science. Nice. Well, congratulations for that. Sounds like you're pioneering some good technology there. And definitely with those examples, I have a clearer understanding in my head of how this works. Awesome. I would like to point out one other thing as well. I saw that it focuses on engagement levels. I'd love to know what they mean by engagement specifically, like whether that means like, I'm assuming like how active they are with their work. But on top of that kind of explanation of what they mean by engagement, I'd love to know how that's calculated. Is that again calculated by like their communication, like how much they're talking about work versus how much they're maybe like not talking about work? Ricardo, perhaps if you feel like you're best to explain that, go ahead. But otherwise, Pablo, if you have anything to add or if you want to jump in, then feel free. 
Well, I mean, the, the mechanics are very similar. We are, we use the the how we measure the measure of the state, and we just uh, we've trained the the network against uh, different accesses or different criteria, but the but the process is is mostly the same. How we measure engagement, burnout, or friction, it it all comes from the same stream of communication, either audio or text, uh, and the, and yeah, there's just measure up. Uh, uh, I guess different uh, types of criteria. So in this case, uh, the, the data that was used in order to train the, the networks was be, was ranked uh, against how people express commitment and, and joy and uh, or how close they feel towards the the subject of the discussion. So I would love to be able to draw so that you would understand what, what I'm seeing in my head. But <laughs> like, so in, in Spanish, there are 75,000 words, more or less. And then in English are around 125,000. So it's, it's a broader language. But not everyone uses all those words all the time. So we kind of uh, just take a lot of tweets and Reddits and, and Wikipedias and try to measure the frequency of the words and, and then just le leave a small vocabulary that people use every day, around 10,000 words more or less. So then with that, we create like the shapes of, of the words like every every word we make it a small dot and then those dots form a specific shapes when they're in a sentence and, and when they are combined so we correlate the shapes of the meaning of the sentence in their mathematical representation with the measurements that our team like our psychology team makes over those same reddits so we, we classify them. Uh, so it's supervised learning for the people who, who knows about machine learning. But pr pretty much we, we have the psychology team downloading Reddits and, and YouTube videos and tagging them over certain levels of engagement or, or burnout that there are in those scenes. And then we create meaningful representations of the text and the audio uh, and then just correlate the psychological measurements that our team evaluates with what the neural network evaluates and, and train a separate network over that. So um, the, the process is the same for every measurement. We can expand to every measurement that the market requires. But right now, Pablo has interviewed a lot of HR managers and they told us that what they wanted was burnout frictions and engagement. Awesome. Yeah, I, I can see how this could be very complex. I'm glad that you're breaking it down into a a very layman's terms, especially for me coming from more of a psychology background rather than a, a data science background in any capacity. But I can uh, see why you're winning awards for innovation. So well done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you. Um, so my next question is mostly focused on surveillance and surveillance technologies because Computer Weekly reports that the use of workplace surveillance technologies to monitor and track staff working from home has increased hugely since the start of the pandemic, but most workers say it makes them feel uncomfortable. I understand that Erodit aims to reduce employee burnout, but could this technology be used as a form of surveillance which might exacerbate stress levels? Perhaps Pablo, if you want to go first, then maybe Ricardo, if you want to share your thoughts. Well, uh, first of all, uh, the, I mean, there's the, the first principle uh, which we cannot escape from is that any system that is being looked at has been uh, monitored is being affected by the by, by the same by, by the same principles that you are by, by you being looking at it okay it goes from the, the electron scale up to uh, uh, groups of people but the thing is that the, this is a tool in order to empower people 
looking after their 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 employees. Uh, it, it may come to uh, for for some for some people for some employees to to feel that way, but I would argue that the the issues lie lie within the culture and not with within the use of the tool. Um, that being said, I mean uh, I'm not trying to you know like this is not a cop out. The, the tool is a, is a rather sophisticated uh, way of helping you doing uh, within your work better, and it comes with uh, a certain um, investment. Okay, so what we've what we've seen is that people that want to invest on the tool uh, are motivated by keeping their employees uh, at the jobs, uh, with with uh, making sure that the high value. Uh, employees don't don't go to other places, or they are, they don't feel in they don't feel in the, the the effects of the isolation or the uncertainty of these days, and and want to be able to connect with them better, especially in these days where where, uh, where communication uh, is is harder. So you could feel that way. You could feel that this this might be the impact. Uh, we are sponsoring, and we are and we are incentivizing uh, companies to be as transparent and as uh, communicate uh, what they're going to do widely and we we put, we have material at, the, at their disposal for to do this uh, but in, eventually what, what happens is that the motivation of, uh, for companies to use our tool is directly correlated correlated with looking after their their people Ricardo do you have anything you want to add on to that so this problem has always existed in philosophy, right? Like you are either in the hobby and Malthusian way of life, that is that people are evil and that if you let them without a government, they will kill each other and be bad and, and, and steal and drug themselves and be lazy. Or you can be of the Aristotelian Russian kind of view that is that people are nice and good and they can love each other if you leave them alone and they take care of themselves and each other and just like are nice people and kind. Uh, so I think we're creating this hoping for the people are good kind of view of the world. But then we are also aware that there are some people that might have bad intentions for a tool. So we, we try to make the tool as privacy protective as we can. So even when we measure burnout or measure engagement, we always set it up as the risk level or, or the percentage of risk that there is we are not affirming anything about anyone it's just like you should take a look on on samuel because he has a high risk or of burnout we are not saying like he's actually born out so fire him or like it, uh, it's just like he has a high risk of being burnout. um and then the same with your emotion level right like uh, we have a certain percentage of confidence that this person is probably sad, right? So you should take a look and maybe talk to him, but then we, we could also be wrong. Of course, there are, there are some measurements that we are like super, super sure about it, but just to make it not harmful for, for the person, we tell in the dashboard, like uh, we are not making a psychological diagnosis over anyone. This is just a tool that you can use to have a better administration of your attention. Because if, if you are a company that has, for example, some of the companies we've talked to have 40,000, 70,000, 120,000 employees. So if they 
wanted to pay like a psychological survey for all of their employees, they would need like huge teams and it would take months. That's, that's why they do it every one or two years because it takes so much logistics to make a survey that large that with this tool, what we want is, okay, so over your 70,000 employees, we have measured the emotions and burnout and friction of all of them. And we think these 400 employees are the ones that you need to pay attention to. And then you can apply service, then you can uh, have workshops with them, then you can call them with their managers to, to see how they are. So um, this has a, a specific name that is called reduction of the query space or the search space or, or the service space. So that's what, that's what we're trying to achieve, like not diagnose anyone, just focus your attention on very specific people and reduce where you have to search to find people that need help. Yeah. I have to admit that when I first heard about the use of surveillance technologies, I think it was even before the quarantine perhaps. And I remember there was a company, I don't remember the name of it, but they used trackers. Essentially they had like a necklace, the necklace monitored where you are and uh, how long you're at your desk for and even audio so how long you're talking to other people for it seemed very like big brother and i think that with that company it literally was just a hundred percent like surveillance so i don't think they really had the intention so much of putting the staff first i think it was really just putting the the i suppose management first so i really do appreciate the fact that audit is not coming out from this angle and i can see that if someone, if a company did want to use a very kind of like totalitarian surveillance technology, this probably wouldn't be the one they go for. And you mentioned about the employee burnout, like how it demonstrates this, oh, this person shouldn't be fired. It's just like highlighting that this person's at risk for burnout. What is the process if an employee experiences burnout? Is that dependent on the company or is, does Erdit get involved with that part and give advice? Uh, I'm not sure, Pablo, if you want to go first and then Ricardo. Yeah, so um, ERIT is in, uh, in, in its uh, first steps, in first uh, biggest steps. So we need to choose our battles. What we want to, to get right first is uh, to be able to provide that, that emotional state information to the, to the HR managers, to the HR responsible people. But it, it is within our, within our roadmap, within, within the next uh, bite that we want to take, uh, the next challenge that we want to tackle is, I mean, it's part of the whole story. You know? I mean, we, we, we help you see who might need uh, some help or some, assistant, some assistance. And we can use uh, similar intelligence in order to suggest you the preferable ways of fixing the situation. I will let Rick uh, go deeper on this, but we want to, what we aim to achieve is to have the same level of recommendation as Netflix will have on you uh, when it comes to movies, okay? So right now, Samuel, this week, in order to improve his situation, would benefit from, I don't know, a yoga class or fresh fruit or a seven day holiday or a salary race. I don't know, it doesn't matter. But the point is not to, to connect the dots, not with general practices, but actually uh, reach a level of personalization that comes to individual. Okay, that makes sense. And uh, I think any employer would achieve, appreciate any of those things, a yoga class, fruit, <laughs> especially a seven days holiday. I <laughs> that. That was my last question, really. Is there anything you wanted to add on to that, Ricardo? 
Yeah, so just to finish the surveillance topic, we're we're going to see a lot of human brain interfaces coming through. So if the necklace was scary, just wait for the Neuralink to come out. And then China also has one brain interface. So we're gonna see more and more of like, for example, Oculus Rift that is completely blinding you from the real world and a lot of AR, VR and, and brain interfaces interacting with us. So right now it, it's weird to have someone surveilling or like listening, but there's also like Alexa and Google Home. So we, we just kind of forget that someone is listening, right? But if you say like Alexa this, or you say like, okay, Google this, it's listening. Uh, so you're, you're actually being surveilled uh, in your own home by, by very large companies. And like your iPhone has Hey Siri, right? So I, I think it's just the, the trust you have over the companies, right? So in, Facebook is also looking at all your likes all the time. So we're being constantly surveilled by, by Facebook and Google and Amazon, but we kind of have no other choice with these companies. And, and when it comes to Reddit, people freak out and it's like people are already being surveilled all the time and, and in, in a lot of more dangerous ways than Reddit is, is doing it. Right? And we at least want to help people to feel better about themselves and, and in their workspaces. These companies just want to collect data to sell us stuff, right? So um, I, I think we're not the actual evil surveillance company. And then about the, um, the other topic, I, I think that is up to the company uh, up, up to now, but as Pablo said, uh, we just need more data to, to be able to map out the right measurement with the right action. So we are going to start programs with our customers to find the correlation between what they did and worked with the measurements we had. But that, for that, we need to work with the customer. And right now, we're pretty much getting as much customers uh, as, as we can and um, making diagnosis on them. And then we might run a program uh, to see what actions they take and work to be able to make recommendations. Because there's, there's no black magic in what we do. It's just a mathematical model of language against psychology. It's, it's math. There's, there's nothing weird we're doing or anything. And then we are trying to expand that model over an action space also learn from what people do. We could do it with reinforcement learning, like for example, DeepMind solved the playing StarCraft or folding proteins or playing Go. So reinforcement learning is also a way to do it, but we still need customers to be able to learn over. So um, that, that, that will happen in the future because there's a lot of data that you need to do those kinds of, of things. Yeah. Awesome, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I got to say, thank you for the work you're doing. I know that you have uh, honorable uh, intentions with helping people during this very stressful year. And I bet 2021 probably is going to be just as stressful. <laughs> well, if it's anything like 2020, hopefully it's not. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going off topic. But gentlemen, if, if people want to keep up with what you're doing or what you folks are doing at Erdut, how can they do that? We have LinkedIn, we have Instagram. Um, so in, in social media as Erwid AI, and then we also have emails that are pretty much our first, not our last name at Erwid.ai. So pablo.hill at Erwid.ai and then ricardo.michel at Erwid.ai. 
So they can write us an email or just go to our website that is also edit.ai or our social media. Yeah, and read our blog as well. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, yeah, good luck with uh, all you're doing. And here's to many more awards on your behalf. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very thank much, you. Samuel. This episode is brought to you by Publicize, a digital PR company that grows businesses' online presence. And for a limited time only, exclusive to Brains Bite Back listeners, you can receive an SEO assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash BBB. We are finished for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And as ever, you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast from. You can follow us on YouTube and go to social.co to check out all of our episodes and articles on topics just like this. We hope you join us again soon. And until next time, take care of yourself. Bye.